1: This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Nana of Ian Beale, Emily O'Neill. To be more like Emily, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. Oh, and before we start today's
0: episode, I am just going to warn you, because our chat with Dr. Mari Cassidy does contain detailed discussion of death, suicide and murder, which may be triggering for some listeners, so please listen with care. If you're feeling low, the Joe Show will give you things to talk about. If you're feeling down, then the bearded clown will give you things to talk about. Hello, welcome back to The Joe Marler Show with Joe Marler, with me, Tom Fordyce, and most importantly, with Dr. Mari Cassidy. This is actually part two of our episode, all about forensic pathology. So if you haven't listened to part one, it sort of matters, but it doesn't matter. You can listen to this bit first if you want. There's no spoilers, but... You should listen to part one too. There were some pretty good stories. There was a very weird one from Joe about a mole on his back, which is less disgusting than it might sound. There's one about a dead deer, which actually is as disgusting as it sounds, and a very long conversation about what dead bodies smell like. Um, it's brie, if you're wondering. It's a very gone-off brie. So go and listen to that when you like, and this is part two.
1: What about... Have you ever been in a situation where the body's dead, get it back to the mortuary, or or not even Mm -hmm. at the mortuary, and you think, yeah, it's dead, yeah, it's he or she's dead, and next minute it's like bolted upright, and it's actually you're like, oh shit, I got this one wrong, they're (laughs) alive. Like Dave's Dave sat up and he's gone, what are you doing? And you're like, what are you doing? You're dead. And Dave's like, ain't that dead? And you're like, "Hey, fucking too late? You're not dead. Fuck, I can see that. Has that ever happened? It, it has happened.
2: What? No. You've, yeah, what? it's not happened to me. Oh, right. No, it not happened to me. Okay. But it has happened. Because people are in a catatonic state. People who have taken a barbiturate overdose, that used to be a big problem. Oh. We don't do that. You don't Sleeping see that. Sleeping pills. Yeah. So, um, and that drownings can, as
1: well. That can slow you down, mm. slow your pulse down yeah. so much. That that you people you not
2: hear, because huh? that's why we always tell people when we're teaching medical students to you say you've got to listen for at least five minutes. And so it could go, be five minutes between heart,
0: heartbeats, phew,
2: right? They're dead, and it, but it's in certain situations you have to uh, because even though you think no, I can't hear anything,
1: it as might long just as five minutes important. before yeah. you can actually turn around and say, yeah, they're dead. Mm-hmm. Oh God has that suspense that would be like oh god if someone tells me the heartbreaking
0: news Joe that you've died I'd go through a period of intense mourning. But here's my pledge to you I'm not just gonna check your heart for five minutes, I'm gonna double it ten minutes.
1: That's a good deal. Yeah I mean take that that deal (laughs) What a lovely, lovely (laughs) offer. (laughs) I feel so grateful to have you as a colleague I mean it. Eleven minutes. Oh, mate! Just stop it now. Stop it. <laughs> um, and and you've got no qualms over eat, like chopping a body up as you do as part mm-hmm. of your investigation. And then on the Friday night when you've been out on the piss, you're stopping off for a kebab on the way home. Not, you've got no issues a with that.
2: Big fan of kebabs these days, but because um, of
1: your job,
0: no,
2: just oh. don't like them. if you ever meet a pathologist who's a vegetarian I I worry about them
1: serial killer yeah
2: I just think no you're you're not in the right occupation if you worry about things like that and it puts you off eating meat do you
0: find it strange because we don't really talk about death do we in society we don't not in British society we don't celebrate death do you find that strange now you've seen so much of it Mm that we don't talk about it.
2: Yeah, but that's just the hang-up that we have in the UK. Go to Ireland and they just love death. They just think it's... there's You know, there's death notices on the radio. So every day at, I think it's two o'clock or something, every radio station will say, and now we're going to read the death notices.
0: What sort of music plays underneath? Um. <laughs>
2: it goes very solemn, and they all go. And Mary Murphy died at six o'clock yesterday evening. Her body's been taken to somewhere for prayers. Jimmy McDonald, he was found, and they go th- and they read all of this. Read these out.
1: What? And the it's- first time
2: I heard it, I thought, really?
1: <laughs> Is it more respectful or something to just be like? They're oh. just
2: a- a completely obsessed with death. And that's why the job I had was elevated to an importance that it should never have had. When I was in Glasgow, nobody knew who we were. Could you? Can you name the local forensic pathologist in your area?
1: Steve Smith.
2: <laughs> Good try. <laughs> Fuck! I should have come up with a more
1: convincing name. Um, Chris. Chris Alamo. Is that better? Spelt with a K Oh, mm. Ooh, that kind of a
2: Chris. <laughs> there
1: you go So that's more convincing because of the spelling
2: Nobody knows who they are Whereas everybody in Ireland knew who I was
0: Is there one that has just satisfied your professional curiosity Because it's presented as one thing mm. And it would be easy to go Yeah, I think the cause of death is X mm. And then something has given you pause for thought And you've had to work out something And you've cracked it
2: well sometimes it's the it's the the murders are usually pretty straightforward you know you can usually suss that somebody's been murdered rather than it was an accident or a suicide i mean and, you know you, you you don't need to be Einstein to do that, but there are other cases where you you look at them and one one was a young guy he was probably i'd say early thirties right about that and I got a call to say he'd been found dead in his house, sitting sitting in an armchair. And uh, would I come and have a look? Because um, it was a Friday afternoon. People would want to try and get things wrapped up as quickly as possible so that it wouldn't affect anybody's weekend. And I said, yeah, I'll come over and have a look. So I went over and said, yeah, he's dead, <laughs> sitting in a chair. Uh, and I thought, he, when we come back to you know what people, what, what dead bodies look like, he didn't look pale. His face was really quite ruddy looking. And I thought, that's a bit odd. And I said, look, just get him in the bag, get him in the back of the hearse and get back to the mortuary and we'll do a post-mortem. We'll see what we can find out. And I said, what do we know about him? He's got a history of asthma. He lives here in this house, him and the wife and the two kids. And I said, OK. And of course, by this time, the house is filled up with you know relatives who are all obviously upset by the poor man's death. And everybody was going, it's probably just an asthmatic attack. And, she's, and the wife even said, um, oh, he w- wasn't feeling well yesterday. And that's why he didn't come to bed. He said he'd be better sitting up because it helps his breathing. So that's fine. But I was looking at him thinking, no, it might be asthma, might not. And because of the colour of him, I thought, Jesus, that could be carbon monoxide poisoning. But why would it be? And I anyway, got back to the mortuary, did a post-mortem and his lungs didn't look too bad. You get these little bits of mucus in your your windpipe in the airways sometimes in asthma. And I was looking and thinking, yeah, but so what? And I took a blood sample and I phoned the toxicologist. These are the people who look at the blood samples and do look for drug and alcohol. And of course by this time, you know, it's about six o'clock on Friday night and all going oh come on, we're trying to wrap up the lab. And I said, look, just I don't want anything else just do a carbon monoxide for me. And about half an hour later, after the sample had got to them, I got a phone call back. Yeah, carbon monoxide's over 60%. Now it should be point something. Uh, Even if you're a smoker, it only goes up to about 1-2%. And and I immediately went, shit, there's a whole family in that house. And we've got a death from carbon monoxide poisoning. And I phoned, the the police were in the mortuary with me and I said... Got to get everybody out of that house. And I'm going. Well, we can't do that. The wife's upset enough, and I was going. She'll be even more upset if she if she bloody dies, <laughs> having all the family when they come round for the wake. And we had to get them all out the house. And what had happened was, it was a bit of a do-it-yourselfer, and he'd fitted a new boiler, hadn't oh, ventilated no. it properly, and that because he stayed up at night, he'd put the heating on. <sighs> and gasped, oh. accidentally gassed himself
0: and it was you who if you hadn't have done those checks and those reports
1: the, the same really? would have happened
0: to the family that night yeah
1: oh my god if you're t- if you're the family if I'm the mum and the wife and you've t- rung me to do that mm-hmm. I'm like thank fuck you've done that mm-hmm. But I would have been really upset as well, so I would have actually hung up and gone. This is really inconvenient time. Can you call me back? Oh exactly. Can you call me back I'm on Monday? I'm making the sandwiches it's, for the week. It's, it's Friday night. <laughs> right. and, oh, thank God they weren't as rude as what I would have been. Oh, that's big. That's good. That. But why the why the murkiness on the fact? Why is that a telltale Be- saying? That oh, yeah,
2: it's because it's uh, there's there's two key things that happened that, happen that um, it affects your the hemoglobin that's in your blood. It it changes the composition of that, and because instead of oxygen latching onto that, this carbon monoxide does, and it makes the blood turn a bright pink. So they have this what we call it a cherry pink, but it's um, it's not what you would expect in somebody who's who'd been dead for a few hours.
1: So you're more than just a a death investigator; you're a lifesaver as well. You've saved you've saved those kids and that wife's life. Wow!
2: <laughs> Potentially, yes.
1: Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll say that. That's what that sounds about. It's a much better tag than I'm a potential lifesaver. You know? <laughs> That's right. Oh, wow. Am I harder to cut open than Tom? Because I've got loads of fat on me.
2: Yeah, but I've got a nice sharp knife.
1: <gasps> so it doesn't really matter, does it? Just a few yeah. more layers to get through, you don't no. mind. You could peel yeah. them like a banana. Yeah. Do you ever talk to him? No. You never find yourself, like... In, alone no. in 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 there and you end up oh, hello Sally no. I mean, it'd be handy if they could answer back because well, your exactly job would be done in half what, the time what happened yeah. <laughs> go on
2: who a did bastard it bastard
1: kicked me in the head <laughs> 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 it was a blunt force trauma you know I mean? <laughs> it, do you have those big pull out frozen things you know the doors where the bodies slide out yeah. and the, the tags are and on the, the and the tags are on the toe
2: no you don't put tags on oh, the toe so that's you? not realistic no. then. is it barcodes now Where's, you just got a little. See when like you go into hospital and they put a little wristband on you, ugh. so that you can't escape. Yeah. So the guy at the door at the hospital goes, "No, back in there."
1: Wouldn't the wouldn't the toe make more sense though? Because if you're pulling, it you're out... you're leading would you, with the toe. What you yeah,
2: mean? but we pull them out head first. Oh,
1: oh God, you're so rough as well. You're just pulling out by the no, head. No, the draw. <laughs> oh, the draw. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, there's no fucking respect <laughs> for want the to see dead ears. You don't Just want to see the it. toes. Oh, OK, so that's not that realistic then. How realistic is programmes like Silent Witness and Waking the Dead They are.
2: They are actually quite, because they usually have a forensic pathologist as an advisor. So they have to, you know, be close. Yeah. But there is a bit of artistic Trauma, licence. Right. I mean, I was involved in a programme recently and... Uh, They'd, they had a particular scenario in mind, and they were saying and it has to be blood everywhere. And I went, well, not with what you're telling me has happened to them. You can't have a lot of blood. You'd have to go and do something else to them. Don't like it. So they, I said, well, don't put my name on the credits if that. You just go and do your own thing. But I don't want to be associated with it if you don't take my advice.
0: It's a tricky one for them, Joe because they want maximum
1: blood, yeah. don't they, for the, dra- the scene of the exactly. drama?
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, but I'm guessing. If you just cut the... Like, how realistic is Tarantino's films? What do you think? Not. What do you mean, not? <laughs> right, if I chop your arm off now in here... Yeah. Mari, mm-hmm. you help me out with this. If I'm chopping Tom's arm off mm-hmm. from the the shoulder, mm-hmm. is blood pissing out and squirting at me?
2: It will do, if he's still alive.
1: Okay. Ah. So so Quentin Tarantino Mm. does that all the time. That's really good.
2: Yeah, if you get an artery, it just spurts. There
1: you go. Mm. What if I, unfortunately, for some reason, we've had a quarrel and I go, sorry, mate, I do what happened in Braveheart with Muddon. Well, hang on. So your first recourse, if we have a simple quarrel, is to cut my throat. It's artistic licence, Tom. (laughs) I put you up against a pole. Unfortunately, you've, you, you know, your boyfriend's, beat up some of my soldiers and i've cut your throat is is the throat pouring out at me or is it just doing the slow it's going oh it's shooting out
2: yeah it goes with your pulse
1: oh wow so you'll
2: see if you look at the blood at the scene because that's we say that's an arterial spurt because you see it goes
1: i goes high up a wall
2: yeah oh yeah it's under huge pressure your blood it's your blood pressure
1: don't want you getting all worried about this, Dunbar. I'm not just... Just These aren't (laughs) notes. Ignore the notes I'm making right now. Just for future reference, if we do have a row... Yeah. Joe, let's talk it over. Yeah, let's get the pub. Uh, I'd like to promise you that, but I can't. So I won't. I won't, because I don't want to break a promise. Because if the quarrel is over something particularly important, like you've taken food from me without asking, (laughs) then the punishment will have to be... I understand. You know, the capital of yeah. uh, Bulgaria. Bulgaria, yeah.
0: <laughs> Ooh, it's so rad. I've got a question for you, actually, Joe. The mortuary shelves that we've referred to there, hmm. how much would you have to be paid um, for Mari to pull out one of those shelves? You have to climb on the shelf, and then she's going to shut you in for half an hour.
1: Not a chance.
0: There must be amount of money you do it for.
1: Am I awake? Yeah. No. Million pounds? <laughs> no. Nope. Ten million pounds. Claustrophobic, mate. Ten million pounds. So I went I had to get a scan the other day on my back. A club told me that they said, You've got to go get a scan, we've got to find out what's going on your back. I went, no. Nope. They said, What do you mean, no? I said, I'm not going. An M R. I scan, I went, No. Nope. I, I I don't like it. I'm claustrophobic. I don't like it. It's an irrational fear, but I don't. I just don't like it. I'm not doing it. So we need to get a scanner. So they sent me to this, like slightly bigger person's, um, unit in Harley Street, and it was an open scanner. And even oh. that, it was still quite tight, but it was, it was lovely. Mm. You know, it was. I could see. I was sat up. It was fine. You know, all sorted. Mm. Um, but then I, that following week, I watched Vigil. This program, mm. BBC, and uh, Saran Jones has just been locked in a missile tunnel, which looks exactly like the mm. the dead body shelf that we've just spoken about. And it's starting to fill up with water. Mm. And I'm watching that, and I'm sweating. Not because it's hot in my room. I'm watching it because I'm getting panicking. I'm yeah. like, that's my worst nightmare. And what you've just described is my second worst nightmare. However, for £10 million, I'll do it for half hour. <laughs> So if you could... Can... But they're open
2: plan. <laughs> the shelves are open plan. What
0: do you mean?
1: <laughs> so you're there... I can he see be with the them. other bodies. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I can just be you like... at it go, oh, hi,
0: better, oh. better, worse, or the same?
1: <laughs> better. Really? Yeah, at least I've got company. Yeah. You know what I mean? At least I've got something to do in there. I can there company? Can... Yeah, but I can see who's left or right of me. I can take it all in and it's an experience and it's only half hour and then i'm 10 million pound richer
0: would you trust marie to actually make it half an hour like you already think she might be a serial killer at what point in that half an hour is your brain going what if she's what if she's not opening the door yeah but oh, it's,
2: it's hypothermic but this time so oh, is it really yeah, cold yeah. Oh, okay yes they have be put the heater on mate
1: <laughs> marie's not like this sicko who actually enjoys the smell of death <laughs> Let's turn the humidity right up I fancy a bit of brie today (laughs) Oh you're horrible Right Tom Let's take a little break there And have some ads please Hello I'm Sam Walker I've spent the last few months Talking to this guy
0: I'm a hunter It's what I do
1: He's called KC
0: Our rules of engagement are pretty simple If we have to pull a trigger on one person They're all going to go
1: He's an American vigilante
0: and there's one of the biggest men I've ever seen and he's got a knife in his hand
1: he rescues kidnapped children
0: there's no feeling in the world like putting a child back in the arms of its parents
1: by any means necessary
0: well it's ugly don't we make sure I don't hurt anybody
1: he scares me
0: And he kind of looked at me and I said, I swear to God, I said, if you do anything other than what I told you to do, I said, I'm going to kill you right here.
1: And he might scare you.
0: About got tears in your eyes right now just thinking about that, don't you?
1: Download the podcast, American Vigilante.
0: Download American Vigilante. Out now. Now. It is that time in the pod where we thank our lovely patrons, who are, of course, the official sponsors of The Joe Marler Show. Pete, saved by the bell. Louie, not Lewis, Morgan. Come up and see me. It's Harley Steve. Ryan, there's no need to feel down, I said a young man. i oh, it's John and Jacob. Oh, not our one, but another one. It's Stevie Jones. Julie, half pint, Larry and awesome Orson awesome Stadler. To be more like Pete, Louie, Harley, Ryan, John and Jacob, Stevie, Julie and Orson, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show. And there you have it. Those were the advertisements.
1: Right, Mari, you're a bit of a celebrity in Ireland. You're the first, you're the first female uh, state pathologist, were you? Mm-hmm. So it must be quite weird that you're, you're a bit of a celebrity because you've helped solve some big murder cases over there.
2: Yeah, well, what? they just think that. I mean, <laughs> that was one of the reasons I wrote the book because I don't do everything, but people just always think when the state pathologist arrives, this is it; they're going to solve the murder.
1: What are, What are some of the biggest cases that you've you've worked on and and helped crack as well?
2: Oh, well, there's been quite a few in Ireland. Um, and most of, the, most of the interesting ones, like everything in life, the interesting ones are the ones that start off as something else and then you realise it's a murder. Mm. It's when people try and be a bit clever and disguise it. Bless them. Um, but they, I mean, it's not that we're particularly smart, it's just that they're pretty stupid. Um, and so they, they try and make something look like something else, so they try and make it, a murder look like an accident or a suicide. But, as always they get it don't get it quite right
0: okay give us give us an actual example
2: Oh um well, I can think of two similar types where the husbands murdered the wife, and one he strangled the wife, and then he strangled her up in the bedroom and he used like the um the belt from a dressing gown, and then he obviously panicked and thought, "Oh shit." What do I do now? So he dragged her down and put her at the bottom of the stairs, and then phoned an ambulance and said, "My wife's fallen down the stairs."
1: <laughs> that is quite shit. I mean, she's clearly <laughs> she's clearly going to have like ligature marks. Oh, good word, yeah. On her neck, the very thing that'll be the first thing. They may mm. not. It'll be quite red to begin with, you thing, but mm. you'll definitely get the bruising because mm. in order to stop someone from living, you've got to squeeze them pretty hard, yeah. haven't you? So, like, it's gonna, you're going to have that bruising afterwards. Mm. Did you like the ligature? That mm-hmm. is the most impressed I've ever been in your presence. It <laughs> came out quite naturally as well, didn't Very it? naturally. Thank you. Still not sure I've got it right, but yeah, yeah, thanks. OK, so there's that one. That was obvious then.
2: Yeah. Now, the next guy did something very similar, but he obviously was thinking, there's a mark on her neck. <laughs> How do I disguise this? So he decided he would try and make it look as if she'd hanged herself.
1: Did he get? How did he not get away with that then?
2: <laughs> because to hang yourself, it has its person A has to be suspended, and it's so the, the ligature the noose has got to be tied onto something. It hadn't quite worked. that why so hang on, far what he, just, just, he tie just, tie, <laughs> just tied the belt around a net while she's on the floor in an yeah. armchair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. mm Hmm.
0: What about there is a story that I always remember from my childhood. And I, th- I think it's from when Roald Dahl did that, um, Tells the Unexpected.
2: Mm, yeah. And it was
0: a murder where a woman had been, uh, been abused by her husband. And she uh, eventually took her revenge. She killed him by taking a frozen leg of lamb out of the freezer mm. and smacking him over the head. And get this, Joe. This is how she got away with it. So she called the police, as if, say, I found my husband. Then she put the leg of lamb, the frozen leg of lamb that she'd smashed his head in with, stuck it in the oven, and the police arrive, and the lamb's cooking away. She acts obviously distressed, and then she serves the leg of lamb to the cops.
1: Is yeah. this a real story?
0: <laughs> no, it's Roald, <laughs> Roald writes kids' books, you dickhead. Tales the unexpected. Like How does it go, Murray? The t- um, what was
2: it like? Was that funny? <laughs> 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 no, 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 no. You
0: right. no, no,
1: no, 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 almost no, knew no. it
2: was coming on. Yeah. I can't remember it. Roald right, Dahl,
1: right. yeah. The, the bloke who, who yes. wrote The Jungle Book.
2: Have you read his, have you read his <laughs> children's books? No, he didn't read that one. His children's books were all a bit dark.
0: So would that work?
1: No. Why? Hang on, they've hang on, the hang on, hang on. I've missed that. I've missed that totally. She's killed her husband, chopped up, chopped up his leg, and no. put it in the oven. No. No. Frozen leg of lamb,
0: yeah, out of the freezer. Yeah, smashed him over the back of the head, so he's dead. He's dead. Then she's taken the frozen leg of lamb and cooked it, stuck it in the oven. Yeah, so police no have come over.
1: There's no word weapon, and the police have eaten it. Police eat the murder weapon. So then she's got away with it. But uh, that's the question. No. Because if you can't find the murder weapon, how can you prove that she did it?
2: You can get charged for murder
1: without even finding a body. What do you mean? Hang on. You can get charged with murder (laughs) without finding the body? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Yeah. How?
2: Because they've got evidence that suggests that something has happened to this person, that they've not just disappeared. I mean, if you look at the number of people who disappear every year, you know, there's people just get up and say, oh, I'm fed up with this and now off I go. And they are, they probably are in the middle of London or in Northern Ireland or whatever it is. But we know that there's a number of people who do go missing and there's something odd about it. And there's usually something in the background and people can tell. But, and they can do a full investigation. They might find some evidence. I had one up in Northern Ireland. Um, The body ended up in the south. That was why I got involved. And they'd been very, very clever, this, this woman and her boyfriend, she who was, she was wanting to get rid of the husband. and um, But everybody thought the story was a bit odd, that he'd just suddenly, she said, oh, he's, he's left me. So then they start investigating, and then once they start pulling things apart, it becomes obvious that they weren't getting on well and you know all sorts of things, and there's maybe a few fights. But then when they went to the house investigate it they found little tiny little bits of blood i mean it's really difficult to clean up completely bleach still you'll still you'll still get little bits of evidence so they might say that they've got enough evidence to support that this person's been murdered even though they haven't found the body
1: Nah, i'm not buying that I mean, it's clearly I wouldn't be happy. It's clearly <laughs> if it was true. I <laughs> was getting I don't be happy. Can't <laughs> but,
2: have that. But unfortunately, that's what happens. Can't have that. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we are in a very dark studio. There is literally not a smidgen of daylight in this studio. So I am going to ask you. I think the darkest question that as we've asked on this podcast, Joe. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh God, but if you, you see, nervous. if you see as much death as you have, Murray, mm-hmm. are you scared of death? Or not? Is it just a process everyone's going to go through?
2: Oh, I don't... I'm I'm not bothered about dying. It's just that we run up to it. (laughs) The sort of five minutes before, or the ten minutes before, or the two weeks before, or the six months before, when you're not well. (laughs) Don't fancy that bit. But dying itself, we're all going to die, for goodness sakes.
1: Get over it. (laughs) I just love how (laughs) candid and, you know, just straight up you're like yeah we're gonna die yeah. I love it. but it is mm. we are gonna die mm-hmm. i mean it's a slightly morbid way of looking at it you know instead of saying oh we're all living we're living our best lives we're actually all dying because technically we are all dying i mean you'll live
0: on through this podcast um, what do you mean in the ears for about five people <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey Four. Four people. Daisy's was... not. Daisy stopped listening. <laughs> and you're not listening in your car because you're dead. Three yeah, people. That's three. Jasper's stopped as well. It's just Steve and Lou. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen and Lou. So that, uh, the, the the life-saving case that you did that you don't want to be praised mm-hmm. for because you saved the family because they could have potentially died because carbon monoxide poisoning anyway. That was really interesting, that one. What's the weirdest set of circumstances that the weirdest death you've ever turned up to and gone okay where do I start here like you c- have you ever been into like a sound booth where there is just blood splattered everywhere and you're like where the fuck do I start here have you ever experienced something like that or something as weird
2: well I've had play- have <laughs> had a case not that long actually where there was blood everywhere and When we got there, the um, ambulance were coming out and they said, I think it's just a bleeding ulcer. And we walked in and there was blood all along the hall, into the bathroom, everywhere. And me and the police police photographer, we looked at one another and went, a bleeding ulcer? (laughs) I don't think so. A bleeding (laughs) bleeding ulcer? ulcer? I'm going, I just don't think so. So you do get some odd things like that. One of the other odd ones I had was one. It was in, uh, when I was in Glasgow, and it was a, a body found in the sewage works, and it was actually the third body that had been found in the sewage works, and we should have known because the first two had been. I think they're possibly suicides. They'd been, but one had been a gunshot wound, and this guy was found and he was really rotten. He'd obviously been dead for months and months. We couldn't work out what happened to him. I mean, he's his head was misshapen but we thought well could that have been because he's been through the sewage works what does that do to you how did he get into the sewage works did he fall down a manhole or whatever and of course sometimes the police have got great theories and they're going what could have happened was (laughs) they were all sitting out having a barbecue sitting around a fire and something happened and he fell into a manhole and they couldn't rescue him and he got into that and he ended up in the sewage (laughs) works (laughs)
1: <laughs> really? I it seems that sounds crazy. like our sort of investigation. That's DCI really? Marler and DI Fordyce just sat around really? eating. having a... What's that one here, Joe? Really? He's having a barbecue, then he's it's down on manhole. Sh-
0: How's he getting the cover-off? Doesn't matter, he's down it's on manhole. Yeah, there was
1: a magnet that his son had been playing with. He accidentally pulled it off. Next minute, you know, he's falling down like Gemma Collins on that stage. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: kept on saying but he's been dead for weeks if not maybe months so they said we'll, we'll sort this out we'll go and we'll drop something into to down a manhole see how quickly it comes out at the sewage works so they were doing this and they were going oh shit that only it <laughs> only takes you know so, so many what did hours they, stick down there? they were getting little uh, plastic uh, containers filled with water I'm just dropping them down to see where the end of. No, I on. thought it
1: might be like a, like a pig or something like that. No, you know I mean?
2: oh dear God, no, no. Yeah,
1: like a like a dummy, like a crash dummy. Yeah. No, instead we'd just put a plastic box, which is that's very realistic. very similar yes. to this human body that we found,
2: uh, and it would bob along and then get into the sewage works, and then at the same time I was trying to work out what the hell, what had happened to this poor man. I said, well, he's got he's got a head injury, <laughs> and if he did fall down the manhole accidentally. <laughs> he could have drowned for all I know but anyway his head's, his head's not looking so good and um, about this time there was a guy walked into the police station and had informed them that he had been in a pub I think it was about two months earlier and uh, he was sitting there and it was uh, one of these like dinner dance type things that used to have in those days. <laughs> and he said, we're all sitting and, you know, the band were playing and we we're chatting away and singing. He said, and then the guy who was sitting across from me at the table, he, he said, I heard this wishing noise. And he just suddenly went. And there was red stuff on the table. He said, and then two people ran out of the kitchen and grabbed him and huckled him out. He said, and then the wife came back because she'd gone off to the toilet. She came back and she just sat down, what? And she looked at her watch, and then she went off. And, this, and so the, the, the police are back at me saying, This is, I'll wait to hear this story. And I said, Right, right. At the same time, there's another guy <laughs> who is busy, comes into this, this pub that this had all happened in and said, well, I can remember his wife, and his wife said, You'll never guess what happened. Um, he went off today to commit suicide, didn't you? And he went, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it wasn't successful. He was in the pub with her. And he tried to hang himself on a a tree, but the branches kept breaking. So he got the bright idea of, I could jump down a hole. So lifted a man, hole cover, and looked down, and there was a body. So they're busy telling this story in this this place where the dinner dance with the guy who had collapsed. And then <laughs> it all became very surreal. Um, somebody, the guys, this guy had obviously been murdered. He'd been actually shot. We had to go back and reconstruct how that could have happened. He was shot bad. at the dinner dance. At the dinner dance. And uh, luckily they didn't kill anybody else. They just caught him. And um the guys who had arranged, either arranged it or were involved in it, were in the pub while this woman was telling what happened to her husband. And they must have looked at one another and went, oh shit, we thought we'd get rid of the body by dumping th- it down. So they then went off and went down and shoved shelf. it in. But this is, remember, this is two months later. And so as soon as the body gets in there, within a few hours, it <laughs> rocks up at the sewage works.
1: Fucking hell! Do you know what? I I would love the look of your face right now, Tom. <laughs> that I'm, I'm hoping my face looks like that as well.
0: This, if you, if we just gone to the pub and you had told me that story, I'd be going, bullshit.
1: <laughs> I yeah, know. what a crock of shit! I Bollocks! I
2: do. I do.
1: Absolutely. Do you know what the the funniest thing out of all of that is? It's is the, oh. <laughs> the way you describe the wife? Yeah, discusses it. <laughs> Yeah, you see, you actually killing yourself today, didn't you? But you failed. Thanks, love. Yeah, yeah. And they just sat in the pub. He's just gone to top himself, and then the best but, way let's go and sit in the pub and yeah. just chat about it. But he ta-
2: he'd taken her washing line, and she wasn't pleased actually because he'd taken the washing line to do it <laughs> and hadn't come back with it. And because we wondered when we found the body why there was a blue washing line round him. And, of course, the guys who went back after he'd, they'd told this story had obviously used the washing line to try and wrap it around him. And
1: oh, my <laughs> God. This is our, this is incredible. That's one of the best stories <laughs> I've ever heard. That yeah. is incredible. Oh, did you see how fixated we were as well? Yeah. And then I'm just waiting for Murray to go, oh, gotcha. <laughs> that was too Northern Irish. That was too it? Irish, yeah. Try Scottish again. See you, do See, you fucking, gee. Hey, yeah, yeah. is Maran. Is Maran then. Maran. Nah, yeah, she come for a horse ride. You yeah, know, go for a ride. Not the new. Not the new. Yeah, fine, Scottish weather, you know. Maran, no, nah, yeah, yeah. Now in the film.
0: Braveheart. It's
1: That's too obvious, wasn't it? <laughs> well, so you always talk about Braveheart
0: and you always talk about Blood Diamond, so it's... It's the only films snatch, I've seen, actually. actually.
1: I think, on that note... um I'd like to say a massive thank you to Dr. Mari Cassidy. Thank you for coming in and sharing with us what it's like to be some sort of celebrity in Ireland Um, and also slightly um, scary, if I'm honest. (laughs) A very scary person. She's still (laughs) laughing at me. That massive smile. I'm like not scary that's that's <laughs> too little scar- no, to be that, scary no, that's what scary people say precisely what is scary exactly exactly what they say anyway thank you very much for coming in my pleasure joe can i just check something if i'm still alive boom, boom. you got to wait five minutes this could be like a long end to the episode how are you going to feel five minutes I'm going to sing songs for five minutes. Fuck, no. Right, quickly move on to a different point. Did you enjoy the episode? I did. She was great. That story about the pub just blew my mind. Like I the... think I'm going to need to listen to that story again yeah. to fully yeah. get in my head what, when, who. Just crazy. But I loved how you said if anyone else had come out with that, <laughs> you'd go, that what a complete <laughs> load of bollocks. That is a made-up story. I mean, it still could be. But then all the stories on this show could be made up it's not about that is it it's just about drifting off for 45 minutes and having a laugh which is what I just did that is precisely what it is Joe if you
0: enjoyed that as much as me and Joe and you want to support the show search for Joe Marla Show on Patreon if you'd like another podcast to listen to why not try Death of a Sports Star now these are really unique documentaries about superstars like John Lomu, Kobe Bryant Diego Maradona and more Go and listen to one. Tell your friends to do the same. Let us know what you think. Just search for Death of a Sports Star in your podcast app. Oh, and before we finish, I just want to tell you about Calm's upcoming Lost Hours Walk, which takes place every year to support those who've suffered a bereavement due to suicide. It's a 20-mile walk in London, starting and finishing in Greenwich, so it's a pretty good physical challenge. This year it's taking place on Saturday the 30th of October, so if you fancy signing up, go to www.lost-hours.co.uk to take part. Bye. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.
2: Podcast Network.